What is up, people? Welcome to a fanboy and a know-it-all talk pop culture. I'm Jake Roberson. I'm Paul Acey. We are so happy to be stuffed back in this little broom closet talking to you <laughs> on this amazing podcast. You know, I kind of think that we shouldn't talk at all this this podcast. This is a podcast of silence. Silence. Yes. Not real silence, but the movie silence. Because that's not just awkward for everybody. If it would everybody be was, super yeah. awkward. You know, there actually are all those bands that ha- that did like long tracks of silence. Yeah. There's a whole yeah. Wikipedia page about like bands that have done silent tracks. You know, Jars of Clay, my favorite Jars of Clay album, their, their first album, uh-huh. it has like 20 minutes of silence. 20 minutes of silence. Rhett and Link, the popular YouTube duo, last year on April Fool's Day did an entire Good Mythical Morning episode without saying a word. <laughs> and without doing anything, it was completely silent, completely nothing. Yeah. They just stared at the camera for 12 minutes and it's got millions of views. You know what? I kind of think that maybe our audience would like us to do that sometimes <laughs> too. But in all reality, topic. we are though talking about the movie Silence yes. today. Yes. Directed by the illustrious Martin Scorsese, the legendary Martin Scorsese. Um, I think that this conversation could be really fun, really interesting. It was a pretty intense movie and I think that you and I – might have had slightly different reactions to it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see. It could come to blows. Yeah. It could, there could be less than silent. There could be violence yeah. over silence, as yeah. Dr. Seuss would say. Yeah, if only it was a vodcast, you could see the blood. Yeah, but before we get to that, we are going to do two things. One, we're going to draw the winner of our giveaway. Fences. Yep, Fences. On the last podcast, we asked you to tell us your favorite play that was adapted into a movie. You answered us on our Facebook group, Fan People and Know-It-All. Pop culture with Fan People and Know-It-All. And so we're going to pick the winner of that. And then we're going to do our Rank Geeks segment. What's the topic of our Rank Geeks segment? We're going to be talking about, because uh, we're heading into Easter, uh, we thought we'd talk a little bit about Jesus on film. Jesus on film. The best portrayals of Jesus ever on film. Or just the most interesting. (laughs) Or 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 the most interesting. Yeah, they might be the same. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see. Uh, But, yes, uh, our fences drawing... Paul, can you give me a drum roll, please? This is for your very own Blu-ray copy. Keep that drum roll going. Your Blu-ray copy that will be mailed to you or handed to you, depending on who wins. The winner is Ian Bagley. All right. All right, Ian. Congratulations. We will get that on its way to you. Congratulations, so look forward Ian. to uh, some messages from us about this movie fences yeah no it's a great movie i think you're going to enjoy it if you haven't seen it already um again two of the most two of the greatest performances of 2016 i think in this movie and some interesting stuff to talk about as well and there you have it so now on to rank geeks we because really i need smell music. bad <laughs> and i'm super geeky <laughs> paul <laughs> Why don't you kick us off with your number three movie about surrounding or including the historical Jesus. Okay, first, I I just – this is a little bit odd list because I I had like seven names. I have seven names written down, and I'm not exactly sure which ones I'm going to choose even now. I like it. Um, And I was going really just for how Jesus looked – in these movies, okay? Just Jesus, the actor playing Jesus? Yeah, exactly. It's it's not it's not about the movies themselves. It's more about, okay, so did this Jesus work for me? And he could be a small... Did this Jesus work for me? <laughs> if that isn't the postmodern Jesus for you, I don't know. 
So, yeah, so so in other words, the, the, the Jesus could be a smaller character, could be the central point of a movie, but it's just really good Jesuses. Okay. <laughs> right? What's your number three okay. best Jesus? All right, my, my first one is this Cliff is Curtis's Jesus in Risen. Risen. Yes. See, this is one I want to see. Yeah, no, he's he was great in Risen. Um, the thing I really liked about uh, Risen's Jesus was that he actually looks like Jesus might have looked, and he acted. Here, here's the like thing. Like Jesus might have looked like based on Isaiah, where it says he was kind of frumpy and nobody cared about him. Well, and and that he looked like he might come from the Middle East, you okay. know, because you have, you know, in so all he wasn't of these white movies, European Jesus. exactly, exactly. So many portrayals of Jesus depict him as as you know coming from Scandinavia or something like that, which just doesn't feel right. And and he also exemplified that that sort of Isaiah feeling where you look at him. And you don't necessarily notice him right away. You know, he's just one of the one of the guys. It's in, not like in he comes group. on screen and you're like, that dude is Jesus. He doesn't glow. He's not always wearing white. But as soon as you see him, then all of a sudden you can't, you know, he, he becomes this mesmerizing figure. And, and he smiles and he laughs and he's, you know, he just feels like a really good guy who you'd want to hang out with. So, so that's my that's my third pick. Paul's number three, the Jesus he'd really want to just hang with. You just you'd you'd watch a football game with this Jesus. He was great. Oh, I also had to preview my list with a caveat similar to Paul's. Uh, the reason we're doing a top three this week, and the reason I'm calling it most interesting and not favorite, is I realized after we picked this topic that. I have only seen one movie that includes the historical Jesus. You're kidding me. I have only seen what? one movie that how are you even contains on this? the depiction of the historical Jesus. I don't know I was raised in, you know, a Christian evangelical household in the middle of the moral majority, America, white bread, Oklahoma, Nebraska, Colorado, Wisconsin. Conservative Christianity. (laughs) (laughs) I am in the heart of this, and I've only seen one. That's crazy. So That's nuts. I need uh, to get another partner. (laughs) So uh, if this podcast was called A Fanboy and a Know-It-All Talk Jesus Movies, (laughs) I wouldn't be here. Yeah, you wouldn't be either a fanboy or a know-it-all. So the number three on my list for most interesting is actually a movie that I didn't even like. But I do think it's interesting. <laughs> and that's the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> because okay. that movie is all about the historical Jesus, even if he doesn't show up on film. Yeah, he also, show up in I don't way. like it. It's got Tom Hanks. And, of course, the, the book and the movie both created tons of hullabaloo in and around Christianity. Hullabaloo uh, is a great hullabaloo word. Hullabaloo is a fantastic yeah. word. It's actually a better word than this is a movie. Uh, <laughs> But I, I think the why I picked this one for number three, one, because it was one of the only three options I could pick, <laughs> <laughs> because I couldn't count History of the World Part One for this one, uh, <laughs> because there's only one scene in it, uh, was because why was there so much hullabaloo about this book and movie? There, like, I don't get why Christians got upset about it, because the book is so fantastical. If you actually read it or... He makes so many leaps in logic uh, that I don't see why we were ever terrified of this book as, you know, some death blow to Christianity. One, it's a fictional book. Two, he makes massive leaps of logic in it. Like, there's nothing scary to Christians in this movie, yet we freaked 
out. Yeah, no, about it, it. I think uh, the Da Vinci Code was a, it was a strange phenomenon. And and uh, let's be honest, the Christian world has some strange. It has a weird relationship with lots of media sometimes, and it gets really um, um, anxious about certain bits of media, and, and this was definitely one of them. Now, I understand the concern a little bit more because not everyone reads as 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 intellectually as you do. Oh, Jake. thank you. I appreciate that. But <laughs> but it, it was a preposterous movie, and yeah. it was a preposterous book, and there were so many leaps, and it was totally fiction. Um, it did have some cool, like, little little code things though i didn't i did kind like of all like the, the codex code stuff yeah and... no i thought it was kind of cool so and even worse like why did the secular world get into this book because his other book angels and demons way better way better. i think he's a terrible writer really angels and demons is a good book have you read it i have not read it but i'm like, making a the, judgment the, right the now the da vinci anyway. code is not a good book right. i didn't even find it interesting as a fictional story angels and demons i it is one of the i've read two books cover to cover in one sitting that's one of them so what, there was, you go. what was the other? The other We're one was a book called – the other one – no, no. This is good. The other one was called The One Straw Revolution oh. by a Japanese scientist turned farmer. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a future <laughs> podcast I think. Wow. All right. Let's go to Paul's <laughs> number two. Okay. For the Jesus he'd want to hang with – or no, this one might not be one you want to hang no, with. No, no. Right, let's it, see. Gosh, what I want to Who's your number two? Second, <laughs> second Jesus on my list would be Ted Neely. From Jesus Christ Superstar. Whoa. Jesus Christ Superstar is on your list. Jesus Christ Superstar is on my list because one of my one of my good friends from high school, she had these weird things that she really got into. And for some reason, there was a year where she was really into Jesus Christ Superstar. So every time I was over at her house, we were watching Jesus Christ Superstar. I can still probably sing the whole thing. So you were brainwashed. Uh, <laughs> But Ted Neely, he actually looked a lot like – now, he does look like the European Jesus, but but he was a pretty good European Jesus. You okay. know, he had the, the scraggly beard and he seemed – you know, and he has a killer voice. Oh, man. The voice I think we're going to be high. run out of most of our friend circles for these movies we're picking. <laughs> No, I'm not saying Jesus Christ Superstar is is theologically accurate. I'm just saying that I watched it a lot, and, and I you like that Jesus. It made you like good if Jesus. Jesus could sing, I'd totally hang with him. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I really don't have any room to talk because number two on my list, I wrote it down in my show notes as mystery movie because I didn't want you to look at the show notes, <laughs> and I wanted this to be a surprise. But number right. two on my list, Life of Brian. I was wondering. I was wondering, how can you make fun of me for Jesus Christ Superstar? And you and you slapped down Life of Brian on this list. Life of Brian. I, this movie, if we did a list, if we ever do a list of like the movies I'm most conflicted about, it's this movie is might be number one Ooh. because it is it is arguably one of the funniest Python movies that I've seen. Like, when I first watched this movie, I laughed more than when I first watched Holy Grail. Did you really? I did. I found it oh. hilarious. Because, and, and interestingly enough, most of the movie makes fun of kind of religious culture. Right. It, like, it really, there's only very few parts of it where you're like, oh, that's probably, 
<laughs> That's probably too much to say about the Son of God. Um, most of it is uh, pretty insightful commentary and humor around religious culture. I mean, whether it's the the multiple Jewish uh, liberation fronts and their various <laughs> yeah. names who all have the same goal but hate each other, yeah. or you know this blind religious devotion, or it's mockery of the Roman Empire and empire in general. I mean, it is a it is. One of the Python's funniest movies, if not their funniest, in my opinion. And and it all takes place, for those of you that don't know, it all takes place around – you never see Jesus. Well, you do. You do, actually. Do you? Yes. It's been 10 years. Maybe uh, you see him while once. While I was researching this, I saw a picture of the Jesus from the life of Brian. Okay. So well, you don't see him there. very much. No, you uh, don't. Yeah. He's, no. he's not the point of the movie, but it, the whole movie revolves around him. Because this character named Brian just so happened to be born in the stable next to Jesus on the same night. And so ever since he was born, he was mistaken for being Jesus. And through all these madcap incidents, he is continually mistaken for Jesus his whole life. And while I can't recommend the movie, there's some, there's, you know, a couple oh, of F words in it. Yeah. There's a scene with some nudity in it. And of course, again, Plugged in warning would be big here. The movie kind of. <laughs> ends with a cheery song about looking on the bright side of life from a dude on a cross. Uh, so It's wrong in so many it's ways. It's wrong in a lot of ways. However, a lot of its religious it funny. cultural insight is yeah. pretty good. And so that's why it's number two on my list. Also, because again, <laughs> I <laughs> haven't have seen any of these from. movies. <laughs> All right, yeah. number one, Paul. Okay, so this, this pick is, well... I don't even know how to explain it. I'm just gonna I'm just, just gonna say it. it. Ben Hur. Ben Hur. The original Ben Hur. Well, not the original. The 1959 version of Ben Hur. You never actually even see the face of Jesus in this movie, and I think that's one of the so very similar to Life of Brian. Oh, I mean, it basically kind of is. the same thing. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> really identical movies, really. No, it was um, it, and I think one of the things that made it powerful to me was that you never actually see Jesus; you just see people's reaction to him. He, it's in some ways, it, it really doesn't make any sense that I have both the risen Jesus and the Ben Hur Jesus on the same list because they're totally opposite, really. Um, but there was something really impactful about not seeing the face of him and just seeing how people would react to him. And I, I think that's my favorite my favorite on-screen Jesus, even though we never actually see him on screen. <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right. My number one is the only movie where you on my list where you actually get a portrayal of Jesus in any meaningful way. But I you think really, <laughs> you need to watch some more Jesus movies. Uh, um, but it's the Jesus film. It came out in 1979. Has the name in it. Has the name of Jesus in it. So right there. That's, yeah. That's why you win. No. But uh, this movie was one that when I grew up, this is the one we watched every Easter. In fact, this movie is the reason I haven't seen Passion of the Christ. Because I would get so destroyed oh, by the Jesus yeah. film. Like emotionally, I would weep. Every time, and it's not a graphic movie, no. especially not compared to. Some would argue it's not even a very good movie. <laughs> Some might argue that uh, it's based not on us. the Book of Luke. I'm not arguing that; it's my favorite, uh, and it could it's nostalgia, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but, that's a that's a valid point, right? But also the the worldwide impact. If you want to talk about film that, like movies that have had an impact on people, you, you really. Oh, yeah. It's arguably the most impactful film of all time. It's been seen by, if you go according to, I mean, it's been translated into over 14. 
hundred languages. Fifteen hundred, actually. No, fifteen. I did. Well, I actually looked this up. Fifteen hundred when you count like things that were made off of it. Oh, okay. The Jesus film itself is fourteen eighty three. All right. And then they have these like other parts where they took parts of it and did other stuff. It was interesting when I looked at the breakdown on their website. Mm. But yeah, the Jesus film itself, the full length version over yeah fourteen. 1,483 languages. It's been seen by billions of people around the world, and they estimate that over 200 million decisions for Christ have been made based on viewing the Jesus film. So that, for me, makes it the most interesting movie about the historical Jesus right there because it actually had a huge impact hmm. and still does. I mean, it's it still, still being does. translated yeah, no, in really languages. Does. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's I watched um, the Jesus film about 10, 12 years ago, and it was pretty all right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's no Scorsese. No, no, but, which we'll get into later. But, you know, it's got the best depiction of the demon-possessed man that I've ever seen. Yeah, no, and... And, and again, I've only seen it once. And, I mean, and, that movie. Yeah, and you can't deny that... that a lot of people have been deeply moved by this movie. You know, I think that I think you're absolutely right in your assessment. It's been incredibly influential, and and you know, if if it, yeah, that's all I have to say about it. All right, now it's time to mash up our crazy, insane list into the definitive fanboy and know-it-all top three most interesting movies about the historical Jesus. I think I went starting on with all number three. Points. I can definitely concede to you Risen over the Da Vinci Code. Cliff Curtis and Risen. Wins. Especially because, hey, Risen actually has Jesus yeah. in it. Yeah. No. Hey, but some would say, and we won't get into this on this podcast, some would say that might make it worse depicting oh, yeah. Jesus on film. No, I hear that. Uh, number two, though, we both went with very heretical picks. <laughs> for number two, you with Jesus Christ Superstar and myself with Life of Brian. We, we could slide in uh, Jim Caviezel. <laughs> I, I'm going to say – I'm going to make my argument that Life of Brian should win in addition to everything I've said. You didn't even remember if Jesus was actually in the movie though. Hey, that's incidental <laughs> It is to the not movie. incidental. It is incidental to the movie. What? The movie's about – Brian's life being turned upside down because of Jesus, just in a different way than you might expect. What is this list called? The most the interesting, most interesting pr- movies about the historical Jesus, and I think this is it because it shows, you know, how easy it would have been, you know, to to kind of get caught up in all this stuff around Jesus in the wrong way. Do you want me to start? Do yours is about Jesus a, dude, a Jesus that does a musical. It was. Have you seen Jesus Christ no, Superstar? I've already established that I've only seen <laughs> oh, yeah. one movie where Jesus has any meaningful presence. <laughs> I think you need to see it. I think my Jesus definitely wins. Flip the ruler. Okay, We're flipping the All right, ruler. Flip the ruler. Numbers. Boom! Life for Brian. Numbers. It is. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Number one, uh, the Jesus film versus what did you pick? You picked. Ben Hur. Ooh, this one's tough. This is tough. This is tough because you've got a kind of Oscar winner. Yeah, exactly. You've got a much better movie where Jesus is not really seen at all. Right. But then you've got this movie that's been seen by how many people? Billions. Thirteen gazillion. Yeah. I mean, it's been seen by more people than have listened to this podcast for sure. (laughs) That is true. That is true. Um, You know, I, I think that the I think. I think Ben Hur wins, though. I can give you. I've I've not seen the movie Ben Hur, but I've read the book. It's a powerful book, and I think 
It is a great example and probably the more interesting movie as a movie, even though I think the impact of the Jesus film is pretty interesting. The movie itself is not the best movie about Jesus compared to some others out there. I don't All right. know. Like Passion of the Christ. My wife is still upset with me that I haven't seen this movie. It's probably a movie you should see, actually. So there you have it. The definitive fanboy know-it-all. Top three most interesting movies about the historical Jesus. But um, Number three, Risen. Number two, Life of Brian. Number one, the 1959 version of Ben-Hur. And I really feel like after this... <laughs> Rank geek segment, like, I need some confession. <laughs> I'm not Catholic. <laughs> I have never done a confession in that se- in a Catholic sense in my life. I but, think you've uh, already confessed quite a bit, actually. <laughs> but I confess all the time, guys. <laughs> One to another, you know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> but confession is a good segue to silence. Because there is a lot of confession in oh, silence. So let's serve up this discussion, which I've... Been looking forward to and dreading. Ever looking since forward to. to looking ever since I watched this movie. Yeah, no, this would be a really interesting discussion. This is a, one of the most impactful movies that I saw in 2016. Um, it was released very late in the year. Not very many people went to the theaters to see it. Um, it didn't get any Oscar love, which I thought it certainly It got loved. like one nomination for an obscure award. Exactly. Like cinematography, right? Uh, or sound it, design? Sound design or something like that. Yeah, sound design a, would be funny because... There's almost all natural sound in this film. Yeah, and it's titled Silence. And it's so that's, titled Silence. Yeah. So there would be actually, I think you're right. I think it was sound design. Yeah, I thought it should have won for for cinematography. Actually, I thought it was a beautiful movie. Essentially, what it is is it's the story of two Jesuit priests, Rodriguez and Garp. It's Garupe. Garupe. Yeah. I was really confused when I was reading all of these people's pieces about Silence, mm-hmm. and they kept calling him Garp. Well, and I watched it, and I watched it with subtitles, you know, just so I could make sure I could hear the quiet di- dialogue. And I heard and read it's Garupe. Yeah, it it actually varies from translation to translation. Actually, when you read the book, sure, there you go. <laughs> it's true. Whatever, Paul. And but essentially, they go to Japan in the 17th century and and, and to look for their mentor. Um, and if you know anything about Japan in the 17th century, it's not a very healthy place for Jesuit priests to go. Uh, there was a great deal of persecution of, of Christians at the time. It was essentially illegal to be Christian at the time. And if you were caught worshiping Jesus, you would be killed. And you didn't even have to be caught worshiping Jesus. No, no. You, you just, just had to be caught with anything that could be remotely Christian. Like, right. Hey, is, is that plus sign kind of look like a cross? Yeah, yeah. No, it was a. It was You're going to be dragged out in public. It was not a good place to be a Christian. That's for sure. So they go. They risk their lives to figure out whether their their mentor um, has actually apostatized, essentially denied his faith, because there's rumors that he has. They don't believe it. They want to go out there, see for themselves, and so they spend the movie searching for him. And eventually, they find him with uh, with interesting results. Very interesting results. Well, we will At least say we will say here. Um, Spoilers? Spoilers. Spoilers. We got to do spoilers. We have to say that there's this is a spoiler-filled discussion of silence. Now, one – You this can't book, discuss it without – This book has been out for, what, 50, 60 years. It's based on a true story. Uh, names or, have been changed, but names, the characters yeah. are very much based on, right. on real people. And so we are going to get into the spoilers of this film. Um, <clears throat> so if you're worried about spoilers for silence, we will put a timestamp that lets you know where you can go to avoid the spoilers – Otherwise, if you don't care about spoilers, 
yeah. journey on with us. Yeah. So so everybody knows probably that that I enjoyed the movie. I, I really found it extremely impactful. Um, I thought it was a very well done, aesthetically pleasing movie. Um, it was a hard movie to watch. Um but that doesn't take away from the quality. And it made me, more than any movie that I saw in, in last year, it made me really think about my faith and made me think about faith in general. So so what did you think about it, Jake? Um, I mean, when you say aesthetically pleasing, it's hard to, to say that because of how hard this movie oh, is to watch. Yeah. But it is set against a, a beautiful backdrop in this lush, rich, green Japan, which makes it the oppressive feeling that the film gives you kind of that much more jarring mm-hmm. because the visuals are beautiful, you know, uh, and Scorsese, you know, I was watching, you know, some behind the scenes stuff with him and, and he was talking about how he wanted to really just highlight the simple beauty of the setting yeah. uh, and, and the story. And he does that really well. Yeah, um, no. And so, and when I say aesthetically pleasing, I, I really mean it in, in terms of like the whole movie right. as far as as far as it was it was just one of the best movies that I saw last year. And I, I think I would say that even if if I didn't have my particular faith background, I just thought it was really well done. It is. Um, and so when I this, as I mentioned in our ranking segment, this would be another one that would go on my list of probably movies I'm most conflicted about. Mm hmm. Because it is really and well I made. That. You can't you can't get around the fact that it looks great. The acting's good, though. I actually saw somebody that noted they would have liked to see Adam Driver, mm-hmm. who plays Garupe, who plays Garupe, flipped with Andrew Garfield, who plays Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. And I actually was thinking that too. I I would have liked to see that Adam Driver is change because Adam Driver is great, and I yeah. would have loved to see what he could do with the role of Rodriguez. But. Um, I was going into this movie, I was really bracing myself for a vi- very visually troubling film. Mm-hmm. You know, any movie about persecution and, of course, reading the plugged in review, the content caveat with Paul yeah. Lacey. There is visually disturbing elements in this film. They are there. However, they were less disturbing to me than the emotional and spiritual elements of this film. And that yeah. kind of caught me off guard. I, I expected to be more challenged by the visuals than by the writing. And by the end, I was much more challenged by the writing than I was the visuals in this yeah, film. Yeah. Which made it one of the more interesting and, again, conflicting movies. Because I actually kind of disagree with where I feel like the movie kind of ends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, no, it, I, and I want to hear more about that because I walked out feeling much the same way. It's a, it's a movie that if you come in with a faith background, you walk in and it's not your traditional Christian story. What you have, you know, I think that, that is, particularly in Christian cinema, you're used to uplifting stories. You're, you're used to people... Um, defending the faith against really strong odds, and and sometimes they die, sometimes they live, but they never they never leave the faith. Um, you are used to um, you're used to God feeling very present in these movies, at least at some point in time. Right. And and you have that here in a sense, but but the silence of God here is so overpowering at times that it can feel. Um, as a Christian, and I think that, that Rodriguez gave voice to this, it can feel uh, 
almost mean, like almost God yeah, is heartless. Is, or... Yeah, it, like he he is immune to the suffering that he sees, and we see right. a lot of suffering in this movie. Um, and and because of that, it it's an extraordinarily challenging movie. Um, I'm not sure. Um, even to this day, I, I think that I still wrestle with the conclusions that the film draws because what happens at the end, essentially you have Rodriguez is looking for his mentor. As we said, he is eventually captured by the authorities. He's betrayed by, by one of his followers. Um, and he's taken into captivity where he assumes he's going to die a martyr's death. Right. That's a story that we're pretty used to. Right. He feels like he's following uh, the path of, of Christ. Right. But the authorities have a different ending in mind. And essentially they, they torture, they're torturing a bunch of believers to death. They're hanging them upside down over these pits. They're cutting small little cuts behind their ears, so they're slowly bleeding to death. They're decapitating them. They're forcing them to work in yeah. and, and horrific the, conditions. The point is to make Father Rodriguez deny his faith. Right. If he denies his faith, then these followers of Christ will live. Right. If he holds true to his faith, they will all die. And for what? That's what they, that's yeah. what the Japanese say. And for what? You know, and I think what makes this the most challenging and, and really took me until I was having my hard time wrapping my brain around this as I was watching the movie because it really does suck you in. And because actually Scorsese shoots so much of it from a point of view mm-hmm. from Rodriguez and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you feel like these, questions and these methods are being used against you as the viewer mm-hmm. and so i was having a hard time and right. i was sitting in a comfort on a comfortable couch you know with climate control and my yeah. pjs and a nice blanket around me and yeah. a drink at hand and i was sitting there like oh my goodness these methods are mm. this movie felt so oppressive yet also deceitful because you come in, like Rodriguez, totally worked up and ready to see a film about a man being martyred for his faith, standing strong, and then all of a sudden that script is flipped on him and on you as the viewer. Yeah, yeah. Well, All I... of a sudden they're asking you, would you be willing to watch these people die when you know you could save their life just like your Christ did? That's the point of Christianity, right? Laying your life down for somebody else? Why won't you lay your life down? Why are you setting yourself up as God by thinking, why are you trying to get glory for yourself? Yeah. And you're sitting there watching it in the middle of it. And you're like, oh my goodness. Yeah. What? What? Wait, what? And then you're like, what am I thinking? Yeah. No, it's a fascinating question. And I think that's the core question that anybody who, who does have sort of a Christian faith walks out of the movie wondering. They, they automatically put themselves in Rodriguez's position and they think to themselves, what would I do? What would I do if people were, were forcing me to renounce my, my faith, publicly renounce my faith? That doesn't mean, and the movie makes it pretty clear, that doesn't necessarily mean that you walk away from your personal faith. Right. They keep telling him as they're tempting him to apostatize. It's, it's just, just a, a formality. formality. Yeah. And, and obviously it goes a little bit deeper than that, even even in that respect. But But – what would you do? What would I do? You know, and that's the and that's the sort of the question that that um, 
haunts me because I think that as Christians, um, we are conditioned, and I think rightly so, to really celebrate the the saints from times gone by who really stand strong, who who always stand up for what they believe in, you know, all that kind of stuff. And and this this movie challenges that. And even now, even now, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what I think of Rodriguez's decision. Now, what would I do if I was in that in that spot? Being the wimp that I am, I might go Rodriguez's way. I hate to see people suffer. Yeah. I hate to suffer myself. It's one of those things where I can, I can honestly, I would honestly doubt what I would do. And I would be, if I made that decision like Rodriguez, I would be haunted for the rest of my life because of that decision. Right. You know? Well, and, and, you know, coming into this movie, it's a question I've wrestled with in my own life because of things I've read and learned about persecution both in history and in modern times and looking at my own weaknesses and my own sins and it's like would I be able to stand up to that do I have enough right. faith you know there's the there's another a character in the film um how do you say his name I have it written down here I think Kichijiro yeah Kichijiro uh, He's almost yeah, like a golem-like character. Kichichiro. Yeah, yeah very um, good, very good. And honestly, I, I identified mostly with him. I did too. Because he's he's a guy who uh, we find out apostatized about a decade before you actually meet him in the film. Mm-hmm. And then had to watch his family die when they refused to yeah. apostatize. And so he's spent nine years, ten years spiraling into drunkenness and despair, thinking about what he did and what happened to his family until he finally meets these priests. Yeah. And they offer him the chance to confess and remind him that, yeah. you know, our God is a God of second chances. And almost as soon as he turns <laughs> around, yeah. he does it again. And then later in the film comes back and is and has asked for forgiveness wants to do confession again and literally minutes later almost he he uh, he uh apostatizes and turn he betrays the priest and and then he does it yet again and again he does it like five times in this film yeah yeah and one of the things that strikes me about him is is what he says he says you know if i was born a hundred years ago I could have been a very good, very strong Christian because he's not he's not exposed to the type of of persecution that he is in this in this time. And as an American Christian who lives a fairly soft life, who doesn't experience that sort of persecution, sometimes you have Christians here that that talk, "Oh, if you're Christian, you're being persecuted." No, that is not true. I mean, we do not understand that sort of hardcore persecution that that people back then right. in Japan experienced what a lot of people around the world experience. Um, and, and it just resonates with me how difficult it would be to truly stand up. And again, it doesn't, for me, here's what it, it does. It doesn't um, mitigate or make the sacrifices that we see throughout history of these brave saints, these brave martyrs who really sacrifice for their faith. It doesn't, it doesn't, uh, eliminate their sacrifice or, or or diminish the meaning for that because I think that those are, are really inspiring stories but it does make me think about Jesus and the nature of Jesus and why he came 
And I recently wrote a blog, and, and we can talk a little bit about this if you'd like, you know, where we're always taught this 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 song when in Sunday school, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know. And, and it talks about how we are weak, but he is strong. And this movie really um, struck me as far as it really shows a deep weakness. It shows a deep spiritual weakness. And it makes me wonder whether Jesus sacrificed his life for even the spiritually weak. Mm. You know? And I think that that's an interesting question. I, I And again, I, I don't know if I have an answer, but I think it's a really powerful question. And I kind of think maybe he did. I, I think he definitely did because you look at the story of Peter. Yeah. Who, you know, who Kichijiro reminded me of in a way though he was like Peter and Judas all tied up into one in many ways uh, of somebody who denies, 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 but co- keeps coming back because he knows that God is the only true yeah. God. You know, he knows, he knows where the life comes from. And so even though yeah. he, to a different degree than Peter, obviously yeah. when you see the movie, but that, that I could reconcile with it's hard and you hate him by the end. Yeah. But it's very clear when you look at the Gospels, when you look at how Jesus came for the sick and for the lost, like that's who he came for. He came for all yeah. of us as wretches. It's Rodriguez in this case this, that I think is the most troubling because Rodriguez, and here's the biggest spoiler of all, but we already warned you of that, he chooses to apostatize. Mm. He, and not just once. He chooses to apostatize, and he continually repeats it. We find out through the rest of his life, and not just because the authorities make because him. the authorities requested of him, right? And not just stepping on a religious item, which is kind of the main mm-hmm. form of apostatizing that you see in this movie, yeah. But making him write anti-Christian, mm-hmm. you know, documents mm-hmm. in his own hand and expose hidden Christian relics. Right, yeah. He's always working to make sure there's no more Christianity getting into the country. Like, he lives the rest of his life anti-Christian. He lives his life living a lie. It is really... That's what the movie suggests at the end. However, that's controversial. One, because that's not how the book ends, is what I heard from somebody who actually read the book. They said And I read the book as well. It's it's interesting because they really don't say anything about it. But right. go ahead. Yeah. Well so but but in the movie they make it they, they make, they make a it stronger correlate yeah. like as he's being burned in a Buddhist burial ceremony or whatever. He they zoom in and cross. he's holding a Christian cross. Yeah. So even though the last, you know, ten minutes, fifteen minutes of the film are explaining how he's repeatedly denied his faith in Christ and he's repeatedly written these things out and he's never mentioned Jesus. He didn't even pray to him on his deathbed yet. Here he is holding this cross. So suggesting that he held this secret faith. Right. And is that is if he's holding, is that real faith? Mm. And that's the question score says he wants to leave you with. Mm-hmm. And that's the question that's really uncomfortable it is. And that's a question that I think the answer is no. Mm. That's interesting because I think that gets into some some it gets into some theological realms, you know, that I don't think that I'm really equipped to to address necessarily. You know, how does one 
lose their faith. Right. Um, well, yeah, of course we're getting into a that's a whole. How do you judge the, right. the yeah the condition? Is it even possible? Heart? You know, and 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 I think yeah, exactly, exactly, and I think that. Um, it's really it's a fascinating thing. I, I I think what we would both agree on is that Rodriguez is not a hero in this. No. He makes some compromises to survive. He makes some so, compromises. Like the biggest, well, Christians would makes, say the biggest compromise of all. Absolutely, and he makes some compromises to save other people as well, which sort of sends him along this road. Now we don't know the situation. There's a lot of unanswered questions. Right. We don't know um, whether. He necessarily kept up this charade, which I would characterize as a charade. I don't think that he lost his faith. Um, but we don't know what the repercussions would be had he, again, said that he was fully Christian. Um, it's it's a fascinating question, I think. And, right. And, and go ahead. No, no. <laughs> it, it's just it's it's a movie that you wrestle with. Right. It's a movie that you grapple with. It's not a movie that makes you smile or makes you cheer or makes you feel good. It just makes you the thing that I loved about it is it makes you think about the nature of faith and the nature of of what it what it really means to be a Christian. Right. And I don't know. I, I it, for me, the fact that I'm still conflicted about it is the sign of a really good movie. Right. You know, and, and there are times when I can talk myself into saying, I I totally get it. And there are times when I, like you, would look at, well, you would look at Rodriguez and you just think, that was the wrong decision. Did he make the right decision or the wrong decision? And, right. And depending on what scriptures I look at, depending on where I'm coming from emotionally, I can make an I can make an argument both ways almost. Well, and I think that's the kicker, and I think that's where this film actually troubles me the most, potentially in its perspective. But again, not even to a degree, because it's hard to tell exactly what the film thinks itself. The film mm. is asking you to kind of decide, what do you think? Right. And that's what makes it troubling. But um, there were a couple of things in here that that triggered me and, and get, got me to where I am on this. and. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, we know that faith is a very personal thing. We can't know another person's heart. So, of course, I can't know ultimately where, excuse me, Father Rodriguez ended up. Mm-hmm. I can't say that. I'm not going to say that. However, the 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 logic that propelled him to apostatize, I think, is anti-biblical and anti-Christian. All right. I'm back. Because it, 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 the the moment that this happens, there are these people being dangled over a pit and slowly killed in this torturous way. Mm-hmm. And he has been accused of, you know, just doing all this for his own glory. And Jesus – and then this line happens. This line happens from Father Ferreira, the former Father Ferreira, right. the father he was looking for who we find out did apostatize mm-hmm. years before in his – denounced his faith and he says to father rodriguez as he's tortured and he doesn't know what to do and he's torn apart he says jesus would apostatize to save them and when he said that that was when it clicked for me Mm. and i was like and and then especially when i watched after the movie and the priest that they consulted there's a jesuit priest they consulted on this film said oh you know there's really no roadmap for this situation Mm. 
But as soon as that line, Jesus would apostatize to save them. I was like, that's actually not true. Jesus was offered that in a much bigger way. Jesus was offered that very same logic when he was in the desert. Satan took him up to a mountaintop and said, all of this can be yours. Mm-hmm. Jesus came for all of this. He could, he was offered all of this. He could t- have it all and he could wipe away all the pain and the suffering that existed. But all you have to do is bow to me. Yeah. And, and Jesus said no. I think he was offered that choice to end suffering, to own it all, to be the savior of the world, essentially, by Satan. And I think there might be some readings of that 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 would indicate that. But I don't think it actually says that. That's not the way I've ever read that. All right. Um, I think I should say I am I am pulling that's I'm not saying verbatim, sure. but he's but there. You yeah, go. I think that I think that Satan was offering Jesus uh, a very temporal type of kingdom as opposed to an internal kingdom. And I think that but that's still what's being offered here. That's still what's being offered here. He's being offered the opportunity to help them to help them avoid temporal pain. Well, I, I think that. I think, yes, you are absolutely right. And I think that that's one of the things that that troubles me about the movie as well. Because um, when you you do talk about uh, that, why why do do these Japanese authorities want Rodriguez to apostatize in the first place? It's because that if he denies his faith, then that makes Christianity that much weaker. And you can definitely argue that it is... um, if you're allowing somebody to die um, a terrible temporal death, but allowing them to go on to eternal life, you know, from a from a Christian point of view, that's a good trade. Um, so I totally get what you're saying. I, mean, yeah. I think it's a really difficult one. I, I but I do think that um, when you're talking about this element of suffering, this this idea of one of the things that really intrigued me about the movie, and this was something that I think we mentioned just very briefly before we went on the air, um, is the idea of the greatest sacrifice. What is the greatest sacrifice that someone can make? Mm-hmm. And this is something that's sort of been bouncing around in my head for a good long while. I was thinking about it even even during the dark night of all things. <laughs> you know, just sort of this idea of we think about the greatest sacrifice as being giving up our lives for somebody else. Sometimes I think the greatest sacrifice is actually living. Um, you see that with Rodriguez willing to live and live in shame. You know that he would much rather have died. I mean, don't you right. think? Oh, yeah. He offers that multiple, multiple times. But in order to save these people, right? Temporarily, temporally as it is, he's willing to, to sacrifice the thing that is most precious to him which is his his public display of faith. And I I think I get that and that feels to me like a half truth. Mm-hmm. And I, I because I because I think it is true. I think sometimes it is to live and sometimes it is to live in shame. Mm-hmm. But I think it's one thing if you're living in shame over something else versus living in shame over you know, publicly denying your faith and then working together with the government to continue to weed out the church. Yeah. yeah. 
like I get that the movie wants to ask that hard question mm-hmm. and and I get that it doesn't want to that there's not an easy answer and that and that that's exactly why it's uh such a it's so provocative heart-wrenching movie because yeah. it because I I might even as I say what I think about how it ended I would have had a really hard time not making that decision in that moment. I probably would have made the same decision in that moment. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that's what, it, and that's where it leaves you pretty tortured. Yeah, at the well, end, and because just, you're like, ah, just kill me. Yeah, like that sounds better well, maybe, than this. Yeah, and maybe that's what it all gets back to. It's just the, it's just the realization how weak we are. Maybe the movie, maybe the book isn't saying that it was the right decision to make. Right. It was the weak decision. And in the movie, one of the most powerful moments in the in the movie is is when. God breaks his silence mm. through this uh, this bronze icon that, that is being people are have thousands of people have stepped on to deny their faith and that and that Rodriguez is being pushed to stamp on as well. Um, he says, Jesus breaks the silence by speaking from this this figure, and he says, "Trample, right. trample." Is, I came to this world to be trampled on by men yeah. in order to save them. Mm. Such it's a, a power. It is, moment. and that's the essence of the gospel. To save I think, the weak. Yeah, it, I, I think that's why I'm more troubled by it, though. Yeah. Because that is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yet, it feels like it gets twisted mm. to me. Like, hey, save yourself and some other people some trouble. Yeah. And just go, it doesn't matter what you do. Yeah, go ahead and weed out Christianity. And, you know, yeah, and Jesus again, came to Paul and said, why are you persecuting me? Yeah. No, and and I think, again, I think that, that the point isn't necessarily that, that we we should excuse what right. Rodriguez does in the moment, but just to acknowledge that we're weak people. Yeah. And, and Jesus came to save us all. Yeah. It's a really, you know, I... I I love movies like this because um, they really challenge. I don't think that, that in the modern Christian church we're used to being challenged very much. Right. And this movie is challenging in a very thoughtful, intellectual, and emotional way. Yeah. And whether you really resonate with the messages therein or are really troubled with them or like maybe both of us, a little bit of both. Right. <laughs> It's a worthwhile movie. Yeah, and I think, honestly, I think as we wrap this up, I think that's why it hasn't had success. You know, there are a lot of, I know there were, not a lot, there were very few Christians that saw this movie, relatively speaking. It only made like $2 million, and it cost them almost 20 to make it. And he spent almost 30 years making it. spent a huge amount of time. This was a passion project, literally, right. for Scorsese. And so there was a small number of Christians who saw it and said, you got to go see this movie, you got to go see this movie. I, I was one of them. I, Paul was one of them. I 100% get why people did not go see this film. Yeah. And because see, it is a hard film. It is not a film that even as a Christian who says I want challenging films, it's not the type of challenging I want. <laughs> yeah. No, I get that. It's like it's, this isn't what I asked for. Yeah. And, and the thing that I walked away from is when I first saw the movie is I thought to myself, this is a really hard film that I'm not exactly sure what I think of. I want every Christian I know to see it too so I can talk with them about it. And because it's one of those movies that, I mean, in a way, this is what I love about this this podcast, this young podcast, yeah. because it gives us a chance to talk about these things. And and sometimes talking through these things, it, it helped 
it helps deepen our appreciation and it helps deepen our understanding. And it yeah. gives you things to think about. And, and, and especially in this context of this film, I, I definitely agree with your point on whether or not you think the decision was right, wrong, somewhere in between. It gets you thinking and talking about – like I – talk to my wife about it. I was trying to save like my conversation for the podcast, but I had to talk about it and I had to, I had to process it to yeah. say, this has challenged me because I've thought, only thought about this from the one angle of persecution that everybody's probably thought of. I haven't thought about it from this angle. Yeah. No. And this challenges me. This is hard. It is hard. Hard, and we could probably go on for another three hours on this. But <laughs> so there you go. We got to move on. Silence <laughs> is on DVD now. So if you didn't go see it in theaters for whatever reason that was, seriously, get it from your library, get it from Redbox. Check out the plugged-in review if yeah. you're if it's you a, are concerned about the visuals. But again, it's a hard movie to watch. But I, it's hard I'm for other why. reasons. Yeah, and I, honestly, I if you guys watch it. Tell us what you think. I would I would personally love to know what you guys think about this. Paul movie. has been waiting for months for me to see it just so we can have this conversation. <laughs> His patience has paid off, hopefully. All right. Uh, now transitioning to something cheery and happy. <laughs> the most least important oh thing. Oh, my goodness. We still have week. that to do. Okay. Paul. All right. What is your most least important thing? Very nice. You're going to have to use that every single <laughs> every single podcast now. All right, so we're going from a fairly heavy movie Whew. to a really heavy movie. Oh, here I set yeah. it up as like cheery. And, yeah, Because well, mine's going to be cheery. So hang on, folks, for my cheery <laughs> yeah, one as okay. Paul drags us further down into depression. Yeah, I must be just in a maudlin mood. But all right, so Netflix released uh, what, what's coming new to uh-huh. the service on in, in April. In April. Schindler's List. Oh my goodness, get out of here with this. Uh, if you haven't seen Schindler's List, you got... I... Well, no, no, no. <laughs> plugged in warnings, there's a lot of Wasn't content. this? Isn't there a plugged in movie night for this in the archive somewhere? There may be. There may I be. think it's... it might be like the only R-rated movie with its own movie night. No, this Don't is... quote me on that, people. This is the first movie, honestly, that I saw that that I thought... This is a fantastic movie, and I didn't even really enjoy it that much. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's a hard movie to sit through. I, when I when people ask me what's my favorite movie, Schindler's List is right on that list. Yeah, you know, See, it's this, just really powerful, really strong. This is another interesting one, very similar to Passion of the Christ for me. In that, in high school, when I studied World War II, I studied Oscar Schindler. I even wrote a historical fiction story. Yeah, revolving around Oscar Schindler, and I have not watched the movie. Yeah, see, I think that you're just you're just in sort of an avoidance mode. You just avoid like, anything I don't want to watch the hard stuff. Uncomfortable. It was hard to well, make you're... myself watch Silence. <laughs> we we it, it reveals the truth that most of us watch movies to be entertained no, and to it's escape. True. It's true. And it's like, hey, I've had a long day at work, I've had a long day parenting, I've had a long day doing whatever. Hey, let me watch this movie for 3 hours it's going to leave me depressed at Yeah, the end. no, I I I'm, I understand. I, know you I understand. try to get my wife to watch these good movies, and she just <laughs> wants to watch Thor. Uh, you know? <laughs> I just want to escape to Asgard. <laughs> Paul, just let me go to Asgard. <laughs> All right. Your least most important thing. My most least important oh, sorry. thing, most least Paul, important thing. Sorry. is a little bit of the past helping to shape the future. On 
BBC this week, it was announced that in Japan, many teachers are going to be using the British TV show Faulty Towers <laughs> to teach Japanese people how to speak English for the 2020 Olympic Games. Faulty Towers. Faulty Towers. Like, I mean, what? How incredible is this? One, who decided that? Like, what Japanese teachers were sitting around like, hey, we need to teach people English. Let's pick this. <laughs> Let's do Faulty Towers. Faulty Towers. That's pretty awesome. Uh, but that's, yeah, as weird as it is, it's incredible because the Faulty Towers, two seasons that it had, I think are very overlooked. Um, as a huge Monty Python fan, yeah, it took me up until two years ago, maybe three, to finally get my hands on Faulty Towers and watch it. Yeah, well, and it is so funny. Yeah, it's it's you probably avoided it because you thought it was going to be kind of difficult and <laughs> and hard to watch, you know. But I think but I just really, always heard it wasn't. I I don't even know where I heard this, but I maybe think I heard it wasn't as good as Monty Python. It's not the same. But it's just as good. John Cleese. You can't go wrong with John Cleese, John right? Cleese is fantastic, and the, the situations are so ridiculous, yet uh, beautifully and, like, deliciously so. Beautifully and there's deliciously this whole episode so. Where, there's this whole episode <laughs> where they have these German tourists coming to stay at their little bed and breakfast, and... He's so worried about offending them by accidentally mentioning world any of the world <laughs> wars that he spends the entire episode just making it the worst and he ends up getting a head injury and then just walks around like high stepping with his finger up to his <laughs> lip and Heil Hitler. I mean, it is just completely offending them and it is whatever you do, don't mention the law. It's completely right. insane, and I can't imagine why this is being used to teach anybody English, <laughs> but it is, and it's incredible. Oh, man. Okay, I'm going to have to get my hands on some Faulty Towers. I think I've seen a half of an episode. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, so I need to see. must watch Faulty Towers. Well, I've Towers. got all these movies I know, to but these terrible they're only a half review. hour long, so right. watch one. I all mean, right. your wife will want to escape into the world of Basil Faulty. It is <laughs> yeah. insane. That may be her type of show. <laughs> Oh, guys, wow. uh, thank you so much for sticking through this. We went from, like, wacky heresy to really deep, depressing heresy. Not heresy, <laughs> just a really good movie. Maybe heresy, depending on where you land on this coin. <laughs> to Schindler's List. Yeah, to Faulty to Towers. Japan, getting wow. ready for the eyes of the world to be on them for the Olympics using Faulty Towers. You just towers. never know what you're going to get with this podcast. Guys, thank you so it, much for making this happen. It may be a strange podcast, but at least you never know what's coming, right? To keep making this happen, we need you to do something for us this week. Give we us money. <laughs> to send us some <laughs> checks. Because we're no, living in no. a closet. No, what we actually need you to do is, hey, if you're listening to us on iTunes, give us a little review on iTunes. If you're listening to us on Stitcher or Google Play, give us a little review there. Wherever you're at, give us a review because that helps us show up and increase this crazy family. Because we want to have more conversations with more crazy family members. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And then if you haven't already, be sure to come to us on Facebook. Join us. We're at Pop Culture with Fan People and Know-It-Alls. Post your favorite goofy movie memes, TV memes. Tell us how good, bad, ugly something is. I'm working my way through Iron Fist right now. I'm going to try to force Paul to watch it so that we can talk about how insanely bad the first half of that series is. But then 
talk about how good maybe some other stuff is. So yeah, uh, you come and tell us what you think on our Facebook group. Yeah. Signing off for now. I am Jake. I'm Paul. Thank you so much for listening to a fanboy and a know-it-all talk pop culture. See you later. <laughs>